1: Twenty twenty four. the new, The year is hardly <laughs> has hardly begun, and already there are amazing things heading towards us. So today's show is called "Dr. Carroll Takes on the New Year: The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly." Today's this year is coming in with a bang already today, in more ways than one. And so I'm going to be analyzing some examples of the good, the bad, and the ugly that have just uh, <laughs> come forth, erupted um, by today, uh, which, which, you know, perhaps, um, well, you can decide for yourself by the end whether you think, what you think this portends for the rest of the year. Okay, let's start with the good. The good news actually just came just before I started uh, the show. And that is the resignation of Claudine, the the president of Harvard. Um, Here we go. Claudine Gay. Now, finally, (laughs) this is something that was, uh, she actually stayed in her position as president um, for 28 days after the first calls for her to resign. So she kept fighting and fighting. And of course, the reasons why she was asked to resign was because of anti Semitism primarily. And then, after, when they started digging into her background, they found countless, and they're still counting, so countless examples of um, plagiarism, including in her dissertation. Now, why this is happening now instead of why, instead of happening before they uh, made her president. Or even Dean, she was Dean before that for five years. Why didn't they look into these things then? Um, she is the first black woman to lead Harvard, and I think that gives you the answer as to why they didn't look into things uh, more closely. She um she um of course, now is using um racism she's claiming racism is the reason for why she is being fired or well resigning why she is made to resign while she why she finally faced the music and resigned um and that really isn't it at all but in fact you know harvard as well as uh, many other schools especially ivy league schools have become so woke they are uh they pick they're picking people to be in certain positions, from students to the president because of their race, because of their ethnicity, their their religious background, their um their sexuality, <laughs> um, and all of that, not on their merit. And so she um, is finally an example. Of someone who, you know, when you look at people, when you judge people um, based upon their ethnicity, their race, all of these different things that are the demographics that describe them, rather than on their merit, on what they have achieved, that is bad no matter what color the person is or what sex they are, you know, what, what their sexuality is, um, it is that is not how your one is supposed to do things. I mean, that is not how you get the best people in office. And so she is a perfect example. Um, let me let me t- tell you some more details. First of all, um, so this is just today, just Tuesday. She uh, has submitted her letter of recommend of recommendation. Yeah, of resignation. Um, and it's, it was reported by the newspapers, the Harvard Crimson. That's the newspaper at Harvard. I went to Harvard, by the way, not, um, I wasn't graduated from it. I only, uh, took a course there during the summer. I took organic chem there and I got a B and I'm very proud of it. And this was before, uh, the school went woke. So, um, she wrote in her resignation, uh, My deep sense of connection to Harvard and its people has made it all the more painful to witness the tensions and divisions that have riven our community in recent months, weakening the bonds of trust and reciprocity that should be our source of strength and support in times of crisis. Uh, She also wrote that it was distressing for her to, to experience personal attacks and threats based upon, quote, racial animus, unquote, and to have doubts cast on her commitment to academic integrity and combating hate speech. Well, (laughs) you know, I mean, boy, she is something. Um, Doubts, you know, um, there are good reasons to have these doubts. So let's see. Now the board, actually, Harvard's governing board, um, who were the ones deciding... For these twenty-eight plus days, whether they were going to fire her uh, or ask her to resign or what, they actually are just as guilty as as she is um, for anti-Semitism and for not checking into her plagiarism and so on. For we're just holding strong and refusing to listen to what other people um, wanted to happen, which was for her to leave. And this was even after uh, many donors, people who were donating millions and millions of dollars stopped, you know, alumni stopped their donations because um, because they, you know, because of her anti-Semitic uh, comments and so on, her refusing to do anything to stop the protests at Harvard Um people who were pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist a terrorist organization. Here she is, you know, here there are at Harvard. And, of course, it's not just Harvard. Um, it is many other colleges as well, uh, not doing anything. These colleges are not doing anything. Many colleges, I won't say all colleges, but many colleges, especially the Ivy League colleges, seem to think that they're above it all and they don't have to stop their students from protesting um, in favor of Hamas and um, and in favor of Palestinians and against Israel, um, let's see. So there's going to be an interim president. Um, this she came under under fire originally for her answers during a hearing about anti-Semitism on college campuses after October seventh, after the after Hamas attacked Israel in this most inhumane a horrendous way, horrendous doesn't do the, doesn't explain it, Um, torture, um, barbaric torture is what Hamas did to Israelis. Um, So she and two other college presidents were called to testify before Congress. And I watched some of that and it was pretty outrageous. they, they were refusing to, you know, to take these anti-Semitic threats seriously. Um, they, let's see, let me tell you some of them. Um, yes, all three of these presidents, uh, and it, this was apparently made fun of on Saturday Night Live, as well it should be, when they were asked, each of them were asked about, you know, what are you going to do? How bad do you think it is that, that there are these protests at your school? And they're saying that Israel is committing genocide and all of that. And, um, and they each of them said, it depends upon the context. It depends upon the context when you have your students in these huge protests calling for Israeli and, and Jewish genocide. That's What context would that be okay in? So that is when things began against her and the other two. Um, and one of the other ones re- resigned uh, before, actually, before the Harvard president resigned. Um, so let's see. Before she was uh, president, well, she was a, pres- a professor of government and of African and American Studies. She became president just this past July after she was dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences for around five years at Harvard. Um, and before she, even before she, they were called to t- testify before Congress, she had made remarks after Hamas attacked October 7th, and her remarks were, were unbelievable, they were shocking. And that's you know that's why ultimately these they were called before Congress. Um, she she refused to say how horrible it was that um, Hamas attacked Israel in this in this inhumane kind of way or in any kind of way. Um, and so, so that's what kind of started. That's when actually uh, some people, some alumni, start took their money away. They said they're not donating it anymore to Harvard. Uh, their millions of dollars and more and more as these days have gone by more and more alumni um, took away their money. (laughs) So it was, it was a big deal. I mean, you know, and, and so some people at Harvard did not, did want her to, to resign, did not want her to continue because they were losing millions of dollars and other reasons too. Like some of them just wanted her to stay there because she was the first woman and the first black president. Um. Let's see. So then, what started happening is people started looking into her um, scholarship. You know, her her scholarly uh, work, and they found out that um, she had. There are dozens, at least dozens, so far that she has plagiarized, um, including her PhD dissertation. And um, so, but the Harvard board, the Harvard Corporation, which is the board that kept her for all this time. Um, said they they only aggr- admitted that there were some instances of, quote, inadequate citation, unquote, but that these omissions didn't meet the bar for outright research misconduct. I mean, that is, that is not true. <laughs> um, let's see. So the board said today that it accepted her resignation, quote, with sorrow, unquote, And commended her for withstanding the recent furor. I mean, this just gets worse and worse. Um, So, I mean, so the good, (laughs) the good is that she resigned. Um, The rest of this that I'm telling you about is is pretty outrageous. Um, So let's see. The board said... Quote, while President Gay has acknowledged missteps and has taken responsibility for them, it is also true that she has shown remarkable resilience in the face of deeply personal and sustained attacks. While some of this has played out in the public domain, much of it has taken the form of repugnant and in some cases racist vitriol directed at her through disgraceful emails and phone calls. We condemn these attacks in the strongest possible terms. They condemn that, but they don't condemn the things that she said um, that were anti-Semitic. Um, let's see. So now, you know, some of the professors don't agree with with this, you know, wanted her gone, didn't think that the board did the right thing by, by basically, um, you know, not doing anything, not asking her to resign. Then um, the other president who resigned earlier Is Liz McGill, and she was one of the three who testified in front of Congress, and she also said horrible anti-Semitic things. That it depends upon the context whether calling for a genocide of Israelis or Jews was bad. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm laughing because it's so outrageous, but it isn't. (laughs) No way is it funny. Um, Let's see. Yes, it was a it was a question from. Um, Representative Elise Stefanik, who is a Republican from New York, she was asking them whether calls for the genocide of Jewish people would be considered harassment. All three said it would depend upon the context, and that's when it got into Saturday Night Live because of it being so absurd. Um. Okay, so now all that has to happen in my, what I hope, is that, um, first of all, the third president who testified in front of Congress um, that, that she also uh, should resign and um, and it's not just Harvard you know it's not even just um uh Ivy League schools it's really a lot of colleges all around America big ones impressive ones little ones not so impressive ones it it, it is um it is just uh, Anti Semitism. It is just bigotry. I mean, could you imagine if someone, if they had three presidents from colleges in front of Congress and they asked them, would it be considered genocide if people at your school were protesting and calling for um, the genocide of Blacks um, or any of the things that they were doing? I mean, that would be, that person would be fired right away. But somehow it's okay. Um, I mean, it's not okay, of course, but somehow the colleges fought back to try, and the presidents fought back to not resign um, because it was Jews. Um, all right, that is pretty much, now what has to happen, as I was starting to say, and I'm hoping that it'll happen in 2024, I'm hoping that her resignation, uh, Harvard President Claudine Gay, her resignation, I hope, will be like dominoes, that after she resigns, or she has, then the third president will resign, and then presidents of these other colleges uh, will also resign. This is my hope for uh, 2024, that they will also resign and not condone anti-Semitic protests on their campus. And then also what I want is for the students to be... um, to be not just, uh, um, you know, for the students to be to be fired, essentially, also to be um, let go, to be made to leave the schools. Be- now, some schools have been fighting back on that because they say, well, uh, some of these uh, students are foreign students and they'll lose their visa. They're on a student visa and they'll be made to leave the country if we eject them as students. Well, yes, <laughs> that would be a great idea. Because if they're only here to make these protests, to essentially align themselves with Hamas, a terrorist organization, and to call for the genocide of Jews, then yes, I think it would be a very good idea if you made them leave your school and the country. So stay tuned. We're going to be doing next. Uh, that was the good, her resignation. The bad is the onslaught of domestic terrorists um, and and things that are happening on, on um TikTok um, becoming groupies for Osama Bin Laden. And then ugly, we're going to get to, to the u- ugly in the third segment. That These are the lies of the golden bachelor, Gary Turner, who is set to marry Teresa Nist, um, Nist on Thursday, on, on January 4th. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs>
2: America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today's show is called Dr. Carol Takes on the New Year, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we just got finished talking about the good, which is the resignation of Harvard President Claudine Gay and her, after her anti-Semitic and plagiarism scandals. The bad, what we're going to be talking about now, is the onslaught of domestic terrorists um, who are growing a growing number in our country. You know, it used to be um, that we would be worried, like on 9 11, worried that terrorists would be coming from uh, the Middle East to take over America. But now we have people within America who are essentially um, uh, <laughs> beginning to worship Osama bin Laden and his beliefs. In fact, there was a recent study um, that showed that 20% of young Americans have a positive view of Osama bin Laden and 30% of Gen Z think his views are a quote, force for good, unquote. Uh, how are our kids becoming terrorists? Who is doing this? Why is this happening? Well, it's because of Obama, three, three major um, contributors, Obama, the terrorist sympathizer-in-chief, China via TikTok, and radical left schools. This isn't just a youth rebellion, it's jihad. Now, um, for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this before, um, ever since 9-11, I became what I call, what I've trademarked as, the terrorist therapist. Um, which means that I have been helping people for 22 years cope with the impact of 9-11 and other terror attacks around the world. I've been to uh, Paris helping people cope with their terror attacks. I've been to London helping people cope with their major attack, uh, in particular the one in 2005, 7-7, that was their 9-11. And um, I have... um, Uh, I've written two books about terrorism I um, do a podcast called the terrorist therapist podcast I do speaking engagements media interviews and I created a music video that I send on a mobile billboard driving around New York City and Washington DC on 9-11 anniversaries I've been doing it so far for the last three anniversaries and I plan to continue so um what is happening? What is happening? Why are people um, why are people suddenly becoming groupies of Osama bin Laden? Osama bin Laden was the mastermind of 9/11, the attack that killed approximately 3000 people when the terrorists who were in planes overtook the cockpits and drove the planes landed the planes into the World Trade Center, two planes and um, one plane into the Pentagon and one plane that was bound for Washington, D.C., probably the White House, maybe the Capitol. Um, The passengers on that plane were very brave and they overtook the terrorists and they um, made the plane crash into a field in Pennsylvania. Now, Um, You know, obviously, they weren't going to come out alive on that plane, regardless of what happened. But so it was brave of them to sacrifice their lives, you know, knowing full well they were they were all going to go down. But at least they prevented it from making being a worse uh, tragedy by going into some building like the White House or the Capitol in uh, Washington, D.C. So but those aren't the only people who died because of 9-11. there are people dying today. There have been people dying for the past 22 years from 9 11. People who were first responders, you know, firemen, policemen, um, emergency uh, um, ambulance drivers, and so on. Um, they, because of being at ground zero for as long as they were, and also, of course, especially the people who were cleaning up ground zero. Who had to work in the rubble of Ground Zero every day? They developed um, cancer. They they are develop they are still developing cancer, and people are still dying. So the impact of nine eleven is not only having ongoing physical effects, but um, it's also having ongoing psychological effects, and um, including you know people feeling that um, people. <sighs> feeling sad, feeling angry that America didn't protect them. Uh, it had a positive effect in terms of the, all the people who who volunteered to be in the military after 9-11, you know, who were patriotic. But that patriotism has gone down the tubes. And in fact, it's changed not only from a lack of patriotism, but it's changed to um, large numbers of people in the youngest generations including with their hate of America that they have been taught in school, um, they include this bonding (laughs) with Osama bin Laden, you know, thinking, yes, oh, he was the right thing. America really is bad. I mean, I'm talking about things like um, athletes who are in the Olympics, international Olympics, and they stand with their, or even, you know, athletes even just in, in football, for example, who take a knee, or um, in international, it's it's even worse in international um, competitions like the Olympics because it's 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 embarrassing America to the whole world. They refuse to um, some of them refuse to um, salute the flag or to sing the national anthem, and this is showing showing this to the rest of the world how you know they hate America. Really, <laughs> America is what got them there in the first place. If it wasn't for America, they wouldn't be competing in these Olympic events. In any case, um, it is it is very disturbing, of course. And so, um, not just recently, um, someone, uh, one of these so called influencers on TikTok, uh, posted a um, what's called Osama bin Laden's letter to America. It was written in twenty two thousand and two. And, uh, I mean, yes, right, <laughs> 2002. Um, and uh, it, it was a letter that o- Osama bin Laden wrote to rationalize why he did the right thing in um, attacking America. You know, so it was a letter that talked about all the reasons why America is bad. So it goes totally into the whole left agenda, which says America is bad. And that is the purpose of that is to destroy America, turn it into a socialist country, um, if not communist, and uh, destroy all the traditional values that made America great. And um, and so um, so this is what so it's not just Harvard presidents or other presidents of colleges, these ideas have filtered down or are brought into elementary schools even pre-kindergarten there are some uh, stories in the news of teachers who have been outed who have who have who were preschool teachers even so it's happening in every level of school preschool elementary school middle school high school and of course college that people are taught to hate america so this these um, influencers on tiktok posted his letter and with the, the and they, they only posted parts of his letter, only excerpts, and um, they they posted the excerpts in particular that had to do with um, Israel. That that one of the in other words, he was saying that one of the reasons why America was bad and deserved to be destroyed was because they are an ally of Israel, and also, of course, um. Another part that they that they included in the what they posted on TikTok were things about anti-Semitism and Jews and and, you know, how um, that, that Jews are like taking over or hold important positions in America and things like that. All the things that that Osama bin Laden were um, saying were bad about America. So, um so now, TikTok eventually, you know, sort of caved in a little bit, or at least gave the impression that they were listening to the complaints that people had about this. But by the time, you know, it was too little too late. By the time they got around to um, taking these things off, they had already gone viral, not just in TikTok, but in other social media platforms. And so it was impossible. It was, you know, like herding cats. It was impossible to take it off all of the places that it was on, on the Internet. And, of course, people who didn't know what this letter to America was um, thought that this was it. This was the whole letter, not that this was just one tiny part of it that these people picked out um, who were anti-Semitic and who were uh, anti-American. So... um, that is, you know, now it's no coincidence that that TikTok um, has all of these horrible things on. It. I I never look at TikTok, and I don't have a. I I never wanted a um, to have a platform on TikTok. I mean, to have my own, you know, page or whatever, um, because I don't approve of it. It should be banned. It is spreading not only things like hatred uh, towards Americans and towards Jews. But it's even these, um the challenges that they give and they tell that they tell kids to do um, are very dangerous. Most of them are very dangerous and they have killed kids. The challenges have killed kids. And, um, you know, when the kids were trying to do the, the challenges like ch- a choking challenge, for example, and, and kids have died because they they choked themselves for too long. You know, they don't have a thing. Don't do this at home. They want kids to do these things or taking a gun to school, or countless others spitting on food in grocery stores. You know, there are countless um, horrible challenges that hurt the person doing them and that hurt others. So um, I I think there's no question but that it should be banned. In any case, um, now now there are people who have become um, groupies of Obama. I always I always do Freudian slips, mixing up Obama, who I call the terrorist sympathizer in chief, and um, Osama bin Laden. So there are groupies of Osama bin Laden. There, of course, there are people addicted to TikTok. And then, as I was saying earlier, there are people are most children are going to radical left schools that are teaching kids the the wrong history. They're not teaching them the right history um, and so on. And then another little interesting tidbit that happened, uh, um, I think it happened last night, but it was in the news today. Um, there is a man called Michael Avery. He's 35 years old. And he um, he actually, uh, he's the one, you might've heard something about this. He's the one who brought um, a... Who, who rammed his car he did a, a ramming attack now the reason why i'm mentioning this is because it's so clear to me having studied terrorism for 22 years um and done a podcast on it and written two books on it and all that um i know a terrorist when i see a terrorist <laughs> i know a terrorist when i see one <clears throat> and um and he had all the signs so he did a, a he he was in his car he rented an suv he packed the car with explosives and he rammed it into a crowd of a thousand people who were leave, leaving a rock concert in upstate New York. And what is interesting about this, the reason why I'm mentioning it, this particular part, you know, what's bad, is that um, in America, um, I have not been able to find a an outlet, print outlet, you know, online, um, that... Um, says that this was, or that they even think it was, a terror attack, although I think the FBI was called in. But media outlets, mainstream media outlets, are not willing to say that it could be or it is a terror attack, Um, even though it has all the hallmarks of a terror attack. For example, do you remember when um, there was the attack in Manchester in the UK where a man with a suicide belt waited outside the um, concert hall and uh, uh, exploded his suicide belt when the people came out of the concert. Well, this man did his attack also as the people came out of the concert and this was in upstate New York. And um, also he left a suicide note so that's what terrorists do, not necessarily leave notes. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they leave videos, too, for that matter. But it's they know that they are, are going to probably die in their attack. Obviously, with a suicide vest, that's a clue. But um, But even in other kinds of attacks. And this man had to know he was going to die because he rammed his car into another car, which it rammed into all these people coming out. It was right when they were crossing the road. So, um, And in this car, um, just to make sure that a lot of people died, he had explosives in canisters, which is another hallmark of terrorists, uh, those kinds of explosives. And then what else? He rented a large SUV to do this, rented a car. Oftentimes terrorists do that. You know, rather than use their own car, although if they die in the attack, it kind of doesn't matter anyway. And so another thing that is um, typical of a terrorist terrorist attack is um, that they are saying, in, in order to try to not say that it was a terrorist attack, they're saying that his family says that he was bipolar, even though he was never been uh, actually diagnosed, formally diagnosed by a psychiatrist as bipolar but they're saying, you know, they're kind of blaming it on his being bipolar. Well, here's a little um, f- fun fact. Terrorists ha- have mental illness, too. Not all of them. Um, but they can have mental illness, too. In other words, just because uh, someone has a mental illness like bipolar doesn't mean that they are also not a terrorist. Um, or not also a terrorist. In other words, they can be both. And But what often happens is that... Um, when in order to try to avoid calling someone a terrorist, they'll blame it on the person being having a mental illness. They do that um, in other places too, like in France, for example, or the UK, uh, where there are terrorist attacks happening every day. We don't hear about that in the mainstream media, um, but there are because I have to keep doing research, um, if, you know, for my for my uh, podcast, the Terrorist Therapist Show podcast. So so I'm, in, in, I'm aware of all of this. There are attacks every single day in, um, in, in Europe, in, in France, in the UK, in Germany, in Belgium, and in other countries too, but especially in these Western European countries. And that is what is going to happen um, in America if we don't wake up. Um, I think I, I I do want to actually tell you a little bit more about this. I'll continue in the next segment um to talk about my what what solutions the solutions I have for this increasing population of terrorists. I say it's not just a youth rebellion, it's jihad. So, all right. Um oh and I let me also say this the this story that I just told you, um Michael Avery, uh it, <laughs> It's It wasn't anywhere that I could find in, in terms of uh, American mainstream media, but in the Daily Mail, the UK's Daily Mail, they had a story that had details about it. And yes, they called him a terrorist. I and mean, obviously this has to be investigated more, but you can't just... Um, say at the beginning it's not a terrorist and that's that's what happens every time in this country whenever there's something that has turned out to be a terrorist attack they try at the beginning for as long as possible to say it's not terrorism so all right we need to take a break you're listening to dr carol's couch um when we come back i will talk about the third part of this uh good the bad the ugly and that is the fun part well it's not going to be so much fun for Teresa Nist, but it is about The Golden Bachelor and the ugly lies that he has told. So stay tuned.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking today, um, I am taking on the new year, what we know of it so far. it's only uh, It is only January 2nd and there is a lot of news. Some of it is good, some of it's bad, and some of it's ugly. So I've talked about the good. That's the resignation of Harvard President Claudine Gay after her anti-Semitic and plagiarism scandals. The bad is the onslaught of domestic terrorists, um, people who have become groupies for Osama bin Laden and so on. And I'll get to the ugly in a minute. But I just wanted to give you um, my solutions for um, what is happening this youth this jihad, not just a youth rebellion. And so my solutions are um, that there are two, I have two tiers of solutions. The first tier is the urgent uh, tier, you know, things that can have be done right away and should be done right away. And that is that we need to be very careful about our elected officials. Uh, I was saying about Obama being the worst and he, uh, Pulls the strings of of uh, Biden, and so we need to get rid of them both. <laughs> um, one by exposing Obama more for the things that he has done, and two by uh, either the Twenty Fifth Amendment for Biden to get him out, or impeachment to get him out. And certainly, there's enough for both. Um, but not but not just the president and the <laughs> and the uh, the terrorist sympathizer in chief, Obama but also uh, other elected officials, all the elected officials, like in Congress. We need to make sure we need to pay more attention to who we vote for, because um, we need to look at what they have voted for during their time in Congress. We need to decide whether they are really trying to destroy America or whether they have voted for things and tried to get things passed that were good for America. Um, Then also we need to fire the presidents of colleges, um, that are uh, anti-Semitic and are um, terrorist sympathizers. And same thing with the teachers, especially in federal-funded or uh, schools because there's more of an ability to, to get rid of them in federal-funded schools. Then we need to expel the students. As I was mentioning earlier, we need to expel students who are having these protests. I mean, imagine that. Ham- Hamas is a terrorist organization. They are... They are saying um, they are pro-Hamas, pro-terrorism. And none of these people realize that terrorists don't just want to destroy Israel and don't just want to kill Jews. They want, it has been their, their mantra, their their beliefs for over a thousand years to have global jihad. Israel and Jews are just first. But they just like they're doing in Europe, taking over these countries. They that's what they plan to do in America. Um. So anyhow, uh, so that's the first tier. Those are the urgent things. Then the next level is um, replacing the lies in education, uh, going all the way down to preschool, replacing the lies with. Um, with the truth, with history and with talking about, uh, about, particularly about terrorism and about Israel, all the contributions that Israel has made to the world, um, you know, let people really know the truth about that. Also on the second tier, people, uh, students should be uh, compelled to visit the, the um, 9-11 Museum in downtown Manhattan. And then, of course, um, as self-serving as this might sound, um, my second book about terrorism is called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My! How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And the first half of that book is for grown-ups, parents, teachers, etc. how to talk to kids about terrorism, what to do with kids to help them prepare to be stronger when there are more terror attacks and so on. And the second half of the book is a picture book for kids. So, um, you know, what is a terrorist? So there's a picture of a, a bully in a playground. A terrorist is like a bully in the playground. He wants you to do, you know, what he wants you to do. He wants you to do things his way, and so on. And then, you know, have things about the um the Boston Marathon, of course, 9/11, um, you know, the the cartoon of Mohammed in um the French magazine and and then The terrorists uh, bombed the magazine, killed the people who worked for the magazine because it had a cartoon picture of Mohammed and so on. It has all the high points or the low points, if you want to look at it that way, uh, of terrorism. The underwear bomber, I say, imagine that, um, you know, wanting to kill so much that you put a bomb in your underwear. So it's terrorism light, but it covers all of the important things. Okay, now the ugly. The ugly, the ugly are the lies of the golden ba- bachelor, Gary Turner. He is supposed to be marrying Teresa Nist. That's who he picked from the 22 women. Um, that was his, well, that was supposedly his choice, although it certainly didn't seem so when he finally proposed. But um, so I am going, I put out five reasons Teresa Nist should not marry uh golden bachelor, Gary Turner. And I, this got, um printed in a gazillion print outlets and I was hoping that someone would uh, show them to um to Teresa you know so that she would know why she shouldn't marry him and um and I also sent um c- contacted uh the her brother Teresa's brother and her daughter, one of her daughters. And I was hoping that they would get the message to her. And it seems like they might have gotten it to some degree because she did ask for a, a prenup. And that almost stopped things because they didn't spend Christmas together. And there was a period of about um, 11 days or so um, where neither of them put things on on um, social media about the other one. Like It was a very different. They both went silent. Now, I am um, the author of a best-selling, award-winning book called Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. And um, bad boy, and (laughs) Gary Turner uh, is certainly a bad boy. I talk about 12 different types of bad boys, and he, he could fit into at least one of the categories. So this is what I wrote. I wrote Teresa. Though you're undoubtedly on cloud nine after having beaten all the other ladies on the golden bachelor to win the final rose, you need to come down to earth before you walk down the aisle to marry him on January 4th. And I gave five reasons why she shouldn't marry him. So, number one, the Freudian slip in his proposal. This was a clear indication that unconsciously he doesn't really want to marry you. He said something like, Teresa, you're not the person that I can live with or you're not the right person for me. After a pause, he said, Teresa, you are the woman I can't live without. Freud was right. Please don't ignore what your woman's intuition is telling you. And this pause is especially significant because he told at least two other contestants that he loved them. First runner-up, Leslie FEMA, which is really the one who Uh, I think and lots of people think that he was really more attracted to. And then second runner up, Faith Martin, he told them each of all three of them, I love you during the times that he was courting them or they were courting him, whichever way you want to look at it. So it's very likely that he was ambivalent about proposing to you or actually preferred one of them. Second reason she shouldn't marry him. Leslie Fema has revealed how Gary made her believe that he was going to pick her including talking about plans to spend their life together and blowing her kisses when he got out of bed only hours before he blindsided her to pick you. This lie may have been intended to seduce her or may not have been a lie. Third reason to not marry him. Gary has said that he made up his mind after he then went on an overnight date with you. If this is because you pulled out all the stops to give him the most pleasurable night of his life, in other words, um, with sex, You need to ask yourself if this is really enough to build a committed marriage on. Four, there are rumors that he chose you because you have more money than the other ladies. There may well be some validity to this since he lied about his work history. He's not a restaurateur unless you call a Mr. Quick hamburger franchise that he sold in 1985 a restaurant. He expects us to believe that he only serviced hot tubs, worked as a maintenance man, and did other odd jobs. To be helpful. Uh, he you know, he needed the money, obviously. Um, five, his lies are legendary, and his former girlfriends have come out of the woodwork to expose him from the lonely widow who hasn't had a kiss, no less a date since his wife died in 2017. He's had several, including Carolyn. That was the name that the uh woman she disguised herself by using the name Carolyn. Um, who was with him for almost three years, and whose story stories about how cheap he is, how he dumped her before his school reunion because she gained weight, and how he blamed her for falling down the stairs, are enough in themselves to send any rational fiance lean. Yes, this woman who um, he had met her. This is a, really an interesting story. He met this woman um, whose pseudonym, whose pseudonym pseudonym is Carol. He met her in one of his jobs. Um, He worked when he was working as a maintenance man in a mental health clinic. She was an accountant at the mental health clinic, which is interesting because um, the woman he picked, Teresa Nist, um, works in finance. And she actually works in in stocks and so on. And she has her wealth has been estimated as between five hundred thousand and a million. So she he believed in any case um, that she is the rich was the richest woman of all the ladies um, who were on the show, who he got to pick from. And um, but Carolyn talked about. Oh, so so he met Carolyn at this at this clinic. And um, then he was still married to his first wife, um, and they moved to Indiana, to a lakefront um, house in Indiana, and that was going to be their retirement. And um, then the wife, the first wife, got ill, strangely enough, just a couple of months or a month um, after they moved there, And, um, and she died. His first wife died. Now, what's interesting to me is that um, you know he she died from an infection. And um it seems like he didn't take her to an emergency room right away when she first got sick. It took a while before he took her to an emergency room. So did he do that on purpose? Because he wanted to marry Carolyn, um, because she had more money? That, of course, we don't know at this point. But um, but anyhow. The, um, the wedding is still on, and I gave reasons why they will walk down the aisle, won't walk down the aisle, and will walk down the aisle. So I will quickly tell them to you. They won't walk down the aisle because five reasons. Teresa realizes all that glitters is not gold, and she can't trust him. Gary realizes he's not going to get his hands on her money as easily as he thought. Teresa sees how controlling Gary is and fears discovering more secrets. Gary finally admits his heart was telling him to pick Leslie, the runner-up. The move to South Carolina, that's where they thought they were going to move to, is a, becomes a stumbling block as Gary's father says he'd never move out of Indiana. Then, here are five reasons they will walk down the aisle, which I guess are, is what's going to happen. They want to keep their 15 minutes of fame going. They want the fancy wedding and honeymoon the Golden Bachelor promised them. Teresa would feel bad about disappointing the show, the fans, her family, and friends. Gary comes from a dysfunctional home and craves the mothering that Teresa could provide. And last but not least, they figure life is short and they should seize the day now and get divorced later. Well, I just hope that, um, uh, I hope Teresa did make him sign the prenup. That is what made him um, run away, according to insiders. And so I hope she's not going to walk down the aisle until at least she gets him to to sign that. But I still do not have um, good hopes for, for the two of them, remaining a couple for very long. Because, you know, he's he's really, his friends have said how he thinks he's a big celebrity now. The The fame has gone to his head. And he's going to have lots of women coming after him because if, if nothing else, you know, because he's a celebrity. And um, I don't know, people don't want to, don't want to spoil this fairy tale. Don't want to uh, acknowledge that she may be making a big mistake, but um, I wish them well. <laughs> so that's the roundup for 2000 <laughs> for 2024. Um, I hope there's more good stuff than bad and ugly. For the rest of the year. So happy new year. And I hope that you can at least work to make more good stuff happen in your life, as well as for the rest of us. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1pm Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.